Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler, from the state of North Carolina, with my co-host, Tim Bench, from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian, from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers, from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder, from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington, from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips. From the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us, while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. You can give me a call at Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6400. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in the word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. And placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-hosts on the show this evening, Brian Christian Coleman and Steve Cordell, as they break into our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host, Clay Phillips, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you would bless 
them and their families that support their efforts that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful unto death. Father, we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast this evening. Our speakers for the show this evening in the first segment, my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shouted out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Clay Phillips. He serves as the evangelist with the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be answering our question. And then to close out the show, my co-host Steve Cordo. He serves as the evangelist with the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one should be that of my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let us gather 
the light. Come on and send the light. Send the light. Oh, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from your source. listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host brian christian coleman and his subject after you fall get up again good evening brothers and sisters and, and visitors who are joining us this evening on the gospel light radio show here We'd like to commend Brother Stevie Butler for his continued work in, in this radio program, which is touching so many, many people out in the, in, the, in, the, in the world today. We ask that you have an open mind, open heart, and open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. We're not going to read all of the verses, but we'll read a few, and then we'll skip a little bit. But before I go into my lesson, I would like to uh, say to everyone, I'm sure you've heard it over and over for the last few weeks, but Happy New Year to all of us, Father, that God has blessed us to see another year. It is not because of anything that we have done. It's not because of anything we've said, but it's by God's grace, love, and mercy that he's blessed us to see another year. And I know we're all dealing with this uh, Omicron virus of, of, of COVID. We're dealing with different challenges and issues that, are, that face us in the year 2022, but we need to remember that God is still on the throne. And he is large and in charge. And he took care of us throughout the year of 2021. And we just ask and pray that God will be merciful to us in the year of 2022. If you have your Bibles in 2 Timothy 12, 1 to 13, the Bible says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And they came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich, 
rich man, and he spared to take his own flocks and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against that the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that doth done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into the bosom, and give thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. I would like to speak as the Spirit guides me this evening on the subject, after you fall, get back up. After you fall, get up again. The greatest test of character is the ability to rise after you fall. Many leaders throughout history have successfully climbed the ladders of greatness, fame, and power, only to fall at the mercy of some poor personal judgment, moral failure, or compromise integrity. It is not enough to make it to the top. You must maintain character in order to stay on top. Failing and falling are not the worst things in life, but is the ability and challenge of getting up again and rising from the ashes of despair. Donnie McClurkin sang a song called, We Fall Down, But We Get Up Again. I want all of you to know that God is a God of restoration. God is still able to reach us at our lowest point, rebuilding and repairing a fallen soul. The Bible says in Romans 16 and Romans 1:16, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and separated unto the gospel of God. The Bible also says in Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we fall, we do experience shame. All of us have experienced the feeling of shame, personal failure, and defeat. We can live productive lives after we fall. We must not allow this to keep us down, smothering us under a state of desperate despair. My first point is, after we fall, don't be paralyzed by shame. Webster's Dictionary defines shame as a painful feeling of guilt for improper behavior, dishonor, or disgrace. There are people who possess unlimited potential, possibility, and promise, but will never come to know the fulfillment of their potential because of shame. They can never forget what occurred when they were children, when the marriage dissolved when they dropped out of high school, when they fail an entrance examination to college, when they drop out of college, or when sin was uncovered in their lives. Do you think just because you have failed, you are president of the failed club? 
Do you think that you're the only one to make a mistake? Do not think you are the only one to go through a bad loss. Don't think that you're the only one person to fail. Let me just drop this bomb while I'm flying over to tell you a lot of dotty every day in the same, we are all in the same club. We've all failed, and we all have dealt with the shame that we have made in our lives in one way or another. You do not have a monopoly on failing or shame. You have failed because you will fail again in life. It is going to happen to every single one of us, brothers and sisters. The Bible is filled with people who fell into sin or lived in shame because of the sins of others. From cover to cover, we find people who completely blew it, lost their way, gave up, lost their way back to God, sinned before God, made mistakes in front of God, and seemingly lost their way to the future. Yet, somehow, by the mercy of God, by the love and grace of God, they found their way back home to the Father. Through the mercy of Christ, we were restored and recommissioned to finish what we had started. When we fall as Christians, we sometimes get into a sad state. We feel that we have failed God. We feel that we are unable to get back to where God wants us to be. Thank God he is loving, and thank God that our God is long-suffering. I drop by to tell you that the Lord is still looking and calling for his prodigal son and daughter to come back home. He is still embracing his fallen Davids and broken and cursing the nine Peters. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Our God is there for us. If you fall, our God will sit high, who sits high and looks low, is watching you. He is watching and waiting for you to call him for help. When we fall, we feel that we are... We, that we cannot get back up. We need to call on someone to help us. And you know what, brothers and sisters, we can't call on the Pope. We can't call on mommy and daddy, our friends and family, or even our coworkers. But we need to get on that rural telephone. And I'm so glad I don't have to rely on AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, Verizon, or Boost Mobile to get my call through. I don't have to worry about a busy signal when I call. I don't have to worry about getting a disconnected message when I call. I don't have to worry about getting an answering service when I call. And I do not have to worry about having to only call at certain times. You know, when you call some people, you have to call them at a certain time, or else they're not going to be answering you. But I'm so glad we have a God whom we can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, including holidays. I'm so glad the Bible says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your weary soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burdens is light. My second point is, after you fall, don't be arrested by shame. Shame paralyzes everyone from time to time. But the effects of this paralysis by shame is usually temporary. Once the paralysis of the existence subsides, Many a shame sinner are tempted to return to the same sins that shame them. The causal word picture for a dog is like returning unto his own vomit. It is used in both the Old and New Testaments in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, and 2 Peter 2, 
20 to 22. The Bible is populated with real people, imperfect people who lived in imperfect world, who lived in an imperfect world, who faced many of the same pressures we face today. King David is a great example of a man arrested by shame in the Bible. If you are students of the Bible, you remember when King Saul had disobeyed God back in 1 Samuel 5 and 3. God told King Saul to go to the Amalekites and utterly destroy all that had, they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camels and ass. But when you drop down to verse 9, you see that Saul did not obey God. The Bible says Saul and the people spared Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. It would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly. Scripture tells us that Saul only spared the good stuff and destroyed all that was garbage he destroyed. But God, through the prophet Samuel, told him to destroy everything. In verse 11, we see that God has a one-on-one with the prophet Saul. And the Bible says, it repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back unto the following, unto, from following me, and has not performed by commandments, and it grieved Saul, Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. For disobeying God, we see in verse 35 that the prophet Samuel did not even see Saul again. While he was king, Samuel, while he was king, Samuel was the connection for Saul to God. When Saul disobeyed God, he lost his connection. When we sin and turn our back to God. We lose our connection to God, which is why it's important that we stay connected to the power source. Talk about, now basically, it reminds me of a story I had some years ago in the Army when I lived in an apartment down in Virginia, and I lived off the base, and the landlady was so blessed. She was a member of the church, and she gave me an apartment where I only paid $400 a month. Lord, I wish I could pay that today. Anyway, so one day, I went away for a week out on encampment, and when I came back, my refrigerator was no longer working. The power had gone out, and all the food that I had in there had spoiled. And I called my landlady, and she came upstairs, and she looked at the at the uh, her and her husband looked at the um, the refrigerator, and finally they told me the reason why your refrigerator is not working, it's not plugged up. So I had lost all that food that the sisters from the congregation had made me because somehow I disconnected the power cord. And that's why it's important for us to stay connected to the power source. Later on, we see David as a little boy being anointed by the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 and 13. He is made the armor bearer of King Saul, who could also play to soothe the heart of his king of King Saul. 1 Samuel 16 and 21. In 1 Samuel 17, David slew Goliath with one smooth stone. And 1 Samuel 18, King Saul got angry because he heard a song about David and his accomplishments by defeating Goliath. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 and 7, 
Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul's jealousy calls him to want to kill David. He sees that his daughter Micah loved David. So Saul decides to, call, to cause the death of David by giving David his daughter to Micah if he goes out and brings back 100 foreskins of the Philistines. And we see in 1 Samuel 18 and 27, David brought back 200 foreskins to King David. I stop by to tell you, when you have God on your side, we will sh- he will surely make his, make his watches, make sure he watches over his child. He will protect us from evil men and women. He will not allow his children to be hurt. He will provide for them a way of escape. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 31 where King Saul and his sons are slain by the Philistines in the battle Geboa. And after that, David is now king of Israel. We see in 2 Samuel 11 and 2, King David was walking on the top area of the palace. And one night he looked over and saw a woman bathing. And the Bible says that she was very beautiful to look upon. And David inquired about this woman that really turned him on and found out that his name, her name was Bathsheba. By this time, David dis- discovered her identity, temptation, had transformed into lust. And that night, he slept with Bathsheba. And later on, he found out that he was pregnant. She was pregnant with his child. This should be a message to some of our young men today who have reached the age of selling themselves and think they are, they are a man and could do anything the other, other grown man can do. Be careful of having sex out of wedlock. Be careful of having sex with some young girl who may smell good, look good, talk so sexy, walk with a wiggle and jiggle, and you come home with her or you go to Motel 6 and turn the light off, and soon you have the condition of Roman hands and Russian fingers and find yourself having sex with this young lady, and the next thing you know, she comes and tells you that she is pregnant and the child is yours. Don't let me, don't let me catch you on Maury Povich and have to, have to find you out that through a DNA, DNA test that you are the father of the child. You alert real quick. Those five minutes of pleasure leads to 18 years of issues that will change your life because you're not ready to be a father. It takes a male to make a baby, but it takes a real man to stick around and take care of that baby. We see that King David was going through a midlife affair with Bathsheba, and it cost him most dearly. The unthinkable happened after David had obtained all of the success of life. He started out sticking, being a stinking shepherd boy. Now he's the most powerful man in the land of Israel. The Bible called David a man after God's own heart. King David stayed home when he should have gone to work at the war front. The Bible says at that time, the king goes forth to battle. From that point, it caused David to make some decisions that caused him to go to the far country. When you turn your back on God, we want to you and want to go your own way and think you can do what you want to do, you have gone to the far country. You have to go far to go to the far country. All you got to do is turn your back on God, and then you are going to find yourself in the far country. The problem is that once you commit a sin and fail to repent immediately, 
then you have to cover it up with another sin and will it, that will lead to another sin and then another sin unless you get things right with God. Sin forces you to lie when you make your, make your way to the final wages of sin, which is death. The Bible says in James 1, 14 and 15, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Then in desperation, he first has to plan to call back Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to meet with Uriah and urge Uriah to go back home and sleep with his wife, trying to cover up his sin of adultery. But things didn't go, did not work out the way King David had planned because Uriah slept within the palace roof that night. When King David found out what had happened, he had Uriah stay one more night to bring orders to his general, Joab. We see in 2 Samuel 11 and 5, and he wrote in a letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And he put those orders in the hands of Uriah, and Uriah delivered his own death warrant. The first sin that David committed was adultery. The second sin was lying about it. And now we see David committing murder to cover up his sin. After Uriah was killed and after Bathsheba had mourned, King David then married Bathsheba. And that's just lets us know that when we that we need to be careful about what we do in the sight of God. You may think you've gotten away with something, but we serve a God that sits high and looks low. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever so a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Not long after, God dispatched the prophet Nathan to let David know that you may have gotten away with the murder in the sight of man, but you have not gotten away with murder in the sight of God. The prophet Nathan began to tell David of a story about a rich man with many lambs and a poor man with just one lamb. And the poor man with his own, and, and the poor man with his own one lamb really loved that lamb. He slept with the lamb. His children played with the lamb. The poor man adored this lamb as well as, his enti- as he was a part of the family. And one day the rich man got some company that came by to visit him. And instead of taking one of his own selections of lamb, he decided to steal the lamb of the poor man. And the Bible says that King David got real mad and was angry about what the rich man had done to the poor man and said, that man shall surely die. And we see when the prophet Nathan confronts King David and tells him, thou art the man. There are no excuses. I'm getting up again. My third point. I have... Shame, has shame stolen your dreams, crushed your hopes, destroyed your future? Have the shame of sin made you walk around with your face hung down? Has sin caused you to wake up with an attitude like you have been sucking on lemons and baptized in vinegar? Let me tell you this. You don't have to walk around in shame because of your past sins. Your past indiscretions, you can repent of your sins and get back in right state of the sight of the Almighty God. Our God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. 
let me call a few witnesses to the stand to testify regarding the fact that they sinned before God, but God forgave them and continued to use them. Y'all remember a man by the name of Abraham? He is honored as the father of the faithful. He is called in the Bible a friend of God. Yet he lied about Sarah being his sister instead of his wife and gave his own life for Pharaoh's wrath. Genesis 12, 11 to 13. Y'all remember the prophet Moses who led the children of, the, uh, the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He murdered an Egyptian. He was rejected by his own people and ran for his life. But God forgave him and used him to liberate the children of Israel out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. Y'all remember the apostle Peter, who was quick-tempered and impulsive, and he even denied that he knew Jesus three times. After that, he wept bitterly for what he had done. John 18, 25 to 27. But God forgave him and used him again. We see this in Acts chapter 2, where we see the new Peter, baptized by the Holy Spirit, preached the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost. Y'all remember Paul? He was a persecutor of the church. He held the garments and the men that stoned Stephen to death. Threw the Christians in jail for saying that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But God had a confrontation with, with, with this persecutor of the church on the road to Damascus. And he was baptized, and God forgave him and used him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts 7, verse 58. Failure, sin, and mistakes happen to, ev to everyone in life in some form of another. But the best part is about, the about these lives of men in the Bible. They overcame their sins and shame. They were willing to correct their wrongs. You can find this and read James 4, 5 through 10, and you see how God is a forgiving God. Y'all remember the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11 and 24? We see this young man who goes to his father and says, give me. My portion. I can't wait till you die, Daddy, but give me my portion so I can go on and I can start living a life. He leaves his father's house and travels to a far country where the Bible says he spent his substance on riotous living. Then a recession hits the land, and now he doesn't have any friends to turn to. He just can't go up to someone's house and say, can I stay there? Because they're going to ask, you got any money? And we see this Jew trying to find a job to sustain himself. And you know, the only job he can find, brothers and sisters, is feeding swine. Now, you know that no Jew had anything to do with any swine. Hello? And the Bible says that he was so hungry, he ate the husks that the swine did eat. That means he was eating the residue and the garbage that the swine ate. And while he was there in that hog pen, down there muddy and stinking, he came to himself and thought long and hard and remembered back home where his father lived, that his father's servants had food. And not only did they have food, they had enough to spare. And then he decided to go back home and tell his father, and he said, I'm not worthy to be your son. I've sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. And you know what? On his way home, came running to him. His father was not like 
waiting for him to come to the doorstep where he gave him an I told you speech. You see, he had mercy for his son. He had compassion for his son. And he told one servant, go get a robe and put it, and go get a robe for my son. You, go get a ring and put it on his finger. Someone, go get him some shoes and put on his feet. Someone, go out there and kill the fattest calf in the pen and kill it because we have something to celebrate tonight. For my son was dead, but he's alive once more. And God is just like that with us. When we get up, and I get up in our sins and make our way back to him when we repent of our sins and work hard to be better Christians and ask him for spiritual wisdom we will he will provide what we need and he will help us in making better decisions James 1 and 5 I ain't got much time I got to cut this sermon short when we repent for our sins the way we need to God will get amnesia on our sins in the book of Hebrews 10:17, the Bible says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You know what? I'm so happy that God is a forgiving God. And I encourage everyone here tonight within the sound of my voice, if you're in the same situation like you've seen David, like you've seen the prodigal son, because all of us are the prodigal son, every one of us has fallen short. Every one of us have gone wayward one minute or another in our lives. And I just stopped by to tell you that our God is able to forgive us. We just make up our mind. We can just get back up off on our feet and move and do better and ask God to forgive us, ask for his wisdom, ask for his direction. God will provide that because he is a loving and caring God. And you know what? It just makes me so happy to know, to know that I'm a member of the Church of Christ. I am a Christian. And if I don't have, if I don't have Christ, the I-A-N means I ain't nothing. Because Jesus is just like Allstate. You're in good hands. B, he's like bare aspirin. He just does wonders. C, he's like Campbell's soup. He's just mm-mm good. D, he's like dial soap. You should get close to him. E, he's like Enterprise Rent-A-Car. He will pick you up. F, he's like Folgers Coffee. He's the best part of waking up. G, he's like General Electric. He brings good things to life. H, he's like Hallmark. He cared enough to send the very best. I, he's like iPop. You come hungry, you will leave happy. J, he's like J.C. Penny. All you need is right inside. K, he's like Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. He's just great. L, he's like L'Oreal. Because you are worth it. M, he's like Maxwell House Coffee. He's good to the last drop. N, he's like Naralco. He will get close to you. O, he's like Orbit. He won't let you roam alone. P, he's like Panasonic. He's just innovative. Q, he's like Quaker Oatmeal. He's just good for you. R, he's like Radio Shack. You got questions? He's got answers. S, he's like State Farms. Like a good neighbor, he will be there. T, he's like Travelocity. He will save you. U, he's like the United States Army. He will help you become the very best. B, he's like Verizon. Can you hear me now? W, he's like Wendy's. You know it's real. X, he's like Xerox. You know he's an original and not a copy. Y, he's like the Yellow Pages. Let your fingers do the walking. Z, he's like Zenith. Quality goes in before he puts his name on it. And when you look at a clock, 
you see Jesus. One, one Lord. Two, two testaments, old and new. Three, three in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Four, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Five, five wise virgins. Six, created the earth in six days. Seven, rested on the seventh day. Eight, eight souls were saved. Nine, ninth hour he died. Ten, ten commandments were put out of business. Eleven, eleven apostles watched him return to glory. Twelve, twelve gates on the city. I'm talking about Jesus. Hello. And if you're here listening to this, and you are not a member of the Church of Christ, you just have to do five simple things, and you can be saved. You have to hear the gospel, Romans 10, 17. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then you must believe the gospel, John 8, 24. Except you believe on he, you will die in your sins. And if you die in your sins where I am, you cannot come. Then you must repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5. The Bible says, and this is Jesus talking, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Then you must confess with your, wife, your mouth the sweetest words that you will ever say. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts 8, 36 and 37. And then you go down into the liquid tomb of baptism for the remission of your sins. Acts 2, 38. Where baptism washes away your sins. Acts 22, 16. You become a new creature. John 3 and 5. You become a child of God. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And you are added to the church of Christ, Acts 2 and verse number 47. I don't know where your hearts are tonight, but whatever situation that you find yourself in where you have fallen, just know you can get back up. You're able to get back up because God still has some more work for you to do. God still needs you because he's got more work for you. And just like we've given examples of other men of the Bible who have failed, God is still able to forgive us of our sins. I pray that this message has been beneficial for you and encouraging and helping you to know that even that you know that you may fall, you can get back up. May God bless you. May God keep you. Good evening. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough, so rough, so rough. Sometimes it gets tough for me. Has anybody been lonely? All by yourself Has anybody been sad Broken hearted and sad Have you even been dead You had to cry all night long I know it's harder what you need to do You need to wait 
Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And we want to pose this question to my co-host, Clay Phillips. He's from the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. Brother Clay, how you doing, my brother? (laughs) Marvelous, my friend. Marvelous. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine. Now, we have a doozy of a question for you on the program today. Are you ready for it? Yes, sir. All right. Now, this question is from an anonymous queries from the state of Texas. Now, there are two questions uh, that the queries have. Now, the queries says, now, I'm a member of the Church of Christ. Now, here's the first question. Today, are Christians within the building on Sunday morning exclusively labeled Church of Christ? And then number two, that is, are there no Christian people that go to church? where the building says Methodist or Baptist, etc. What say you to these two questions? Good evening. I uh, also want to say to uh, Brother Coleman, he did a marvelous job in his um, advocating the word of the Lord. Now, I want to say this, that uh, the question is a very good question. Um, First of all, I want to say this, that it, when you collaborate the portion together, you look at it from the point uh, the Christians uh, within the building on Sunday morning, exclusive labor, Church of Christ. In other words, when a church building have Church of Christ on it, uh, does everybody that worship God have to have uh, Church of Christ on the building itself. And so <clears throat> then it says that is uh, there are no Christians that are go to any other church building uh, with any other church name as to give two examples, Methodist or Baptist. And so I think that this is a very relevant question, and I hope and pray that uh, we all understand. Now, when you look at the question, let me put it into a synopsis question. Uh, the, the questioner is asking, is there anything to a name? <laughs> is there anything to a name? So the question that I understand is that the questioner, the questioner is asking me, uh, Brother Phillips, uh, is there anything in a name. And so now, what I want to do is, let us go to the Bible, because I'm a Bible-believing, and we believe in speaking with the Bible speak, and being silent with the Bible is silent. So now let us go to uh, Philippians. Everybody turn the Bibles now to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 
5 through 11. Now, I want to say this, that I take questions very serious, but the Bible is got to hold me accountable. So in 1 Peter, uh, the chapter is 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. But notice what it says, with meekness and with fear. And so I, over the years, I've learned to submit myself. Over the years, I've learned to humble myself in answering questions. Uh, for the Bible also says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and the verse is number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and the verse is number 2. And we need to be mindful of this because I want everybody to be safe. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 2, it says, And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. So I want to be mindful. I want you to be mindful as we uh, tackle this question. I want you to be mindful that we're doing it with intention and helping you understand your question, helping you understand it, to receive an answer with meekness and with fear. In, now, in Philippians chapter 2 and the verse is number 5, we find these words written. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He says, let this mind be in you, which were also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not rather to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. So here, when you ask questions, you really should be asking questions, not for entrapment, not for to show how much you know or somebody don't know. You are asking the question to really find out the answer to our soul salvation. And so in verse number nine, now, now remember now, the, the question synopsis is, is there anything in a name? So in verse nine it says, wherefore God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Ooh. That at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow. Things in heaven. And the word original uh, exegesis here, Greek, says those. So when you see the word things, it says those. Those in heaven, those in earth, and those under the earth. Now, those in heaven, those, uh, those in earth, and those under the heaven, they understand and recognize that there's something to a name. So notice in verse 11, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So here we understand. We need to understand this now. Everybody needs to understand. Is there anything in a name? Now, the word church comes from the Greek word uh, ekklesia. Now, ekklesia is a compound word. Ek means out of. Sia means a calling. 
So when you look at the, the Greek word ecclesia, it is the calling out of. Now, First Peter chapter two verse nine tell us that we are translated woo, out of darkness into the marvelous light. So when you start talking about the church, you need to understand the severity and the seriousness of the body of Christ, <clears throat> the church. For we are translated out of darkness into the marvelous light. So what is the church of Christ? We are believers. Listen now, listen. We are believers. So let me first of all get you to understand, number one, uh, the word church comes from the Greek word echosia, means called out. Number two, we need to understand what is the church of Christ. We are believers who only believe that Jesus Christ has all authority. <laughs> that Christ has all authority. So that whatever the church teach or is, is predicated on the authoritative power of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says in, first, in Colossians chapter 1, take your Bible now to Colossians chapter 1, the verses 18 and 19. Colossians chapter 1 and the verses 18 and 19. Notice what the Bible says now. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Who the head? Christ. I, I'm asking you one more time. Who is the head? Christ. Let me say it one more time. Who is it? Christ. He's the head of the body, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Understand this. Jesus Christ has the preeminence. And verse number 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So now, in other words, fullness here is the completion of the church. All fullness dwell. You remember, uh, it was uh, Peter uh, when the Bible says that in Matthew chapter 17, he took Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the mountain with him, and Moses and Elijah came. And Peter said, let us be a three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But the Bible says, now this is, this is a direction to that. Let me read it one more time, verse 19, Colossians 7, 1. For it pleased the Father <laughs> that in him should all fullness dwell. So you remember Peter said, let us build three tabernacles, and, Jesus, and the Bible said the Father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. So we must understand we must hear Jesus. So we believe that the church today should be the same as when God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, the name of the church, this is, let's get to the issue now. The name of the church. First of all, in Romans 16, 16, the Bible says the churches of Christ salute you. So whatever the name is, it belongs to Christ. The churches of Christ belongs to you. It was not you. Now, the name Church of Christ, understand this. When we say Church of Christ, we're not dealing with denominationalism. We're not talking about uh, denominational titles. We're given a description or descriptive term indicating the fact that the church, listen now, that the church is 
the possession of Christ. Amen? Now, the, the Bible says, let the Bible speak, Brother Philip, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself for it, that he might sanctify, cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now, husbands, love your wives. So Christ, John said that Christ is married to the church. Now, let me say this here. I'm, my name is Clay Lee Phillips. My wife's name was Essie Merle Stewart. But when she married me, whoo, name meant something. <laughs> now she wrote a name, uh, Essie Merle Phillips. <laughs> Why? Because she is part of me. We became one. And so when you look at the church and you look at the possession, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he was talking to the apostles and said, Now who do men say, I, the son of man, am? Some said, I, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, they didn't know who he was. And Peter said, hear Peter again, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So there is no objection about who the church is married to. The church is married to Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. My church. Right, let me say that more time. My church. Now, this is not an exclusive term. Uh, church of Christ is not an exclusive term. Why? Because the, the Bible gives us reference to uh, this uh, the body of Christ, the church of Christ, the Lord church. Now, it must, the church that you are asking about must be predicated on Bible, biblical principles. Now, so now there's a name the Bible gives the church. Uh, let me give you a few of them. Uh, the church of the Lord, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The body of Christ, or the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. The house of God. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. The church of God. Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. The church of the firstborn. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Uh, Christ said, my church. Just simply, my church. Uh, Matthew 16, 18. Uh, the churches of Christ, Romans uh, 16, 16, will be already dealt with. The body, the church, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Just call it the church, uh, according to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Then we have the kingdom, uh, the, the body, and then it says even the flock of God. Now, these are terms, listen to me now. These are terms which show possession. These are terms which shows possession. Now, they point to the Lord as the owner of the church. Members of the church of Christ, we believe, listen, listen, we believe it is right to wear the name that is given to Christ. Honor and glory. Woo! <laughs> Honor and glory is given. Now, if you read Acts chapter 4, I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to hurry, hurry up because my time is almost up. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Bible said, let the Bible speak, but neither is there salvation in any other, 
For there's none other name. Listen now. There's none other name given amongst men that we must be saved. The word name means, comes from the Greek word authority. So when you start talking about the name of the church, you start talking about the authority. Who is the head? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, whatsoever, now read it. I'm, I'm not trying to read all that, verse 15 through 17. Whatsoever you do in word, hello, whatsoever you do in word, and thee, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Woo. <laughs> and the Bible says that First John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5, it says that would give us overcoming the world. Jesus said, my father and I are one. And he didn't talk about uh, the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd in John chapter uh, 14. He said, I am the good shepherd. In other words, he said, now there are some hollands. There are some people out there, there's some shepherds out there that are hired. And when the wolf comes and when Daniel comes, they'll run. Jesus said, I want you to understand, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. And then, now let me say this. Let me say this. Let's wrap it up. Let me wrap it up. Good intentions, good intentions will not help us when we get before God. You remember Uzziah? Uh, put forth his hand and caught the ark of the covenant that was falling, and he put it back. Now, now uh, I was talking to a group of preachers one time, and they I, like they understand what I was talking about. Now, in other words, false doctrine put them in that position. Let me say that one more time. False doctrine put them in the position to try to rectify. That is why today we are trying to rectify the teaching. Of the word of God. We're trying to go back to the teaching of the word of God. That's what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure strong doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heat themselves, teachers have an engineer. That's what has happened to our society today. We got church, church here, church, church there, here, church, there, church, everywhere, church, church. What's the problem wrong with us? Why? Because we are even good intentions. John Wesley had good intentions. That started the Methodist church. His intention was good. He said, listen, we need to go back to the Bible. Don't you know he, he wanted to go back to the Bible? And when he died, the people said, well, since he had a good methodology, then they called it the Methodist Church. Then John, uh, John the Baptist said, told you, that, listen, I'm not the Christ, so you can't say you're a Baptist because I'm John the Baptist. John Smythus started the Baptist Church, had a good zeal, but not according to knowledge. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, Brother, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved for a bad record that they have a zeal of God and not according to knowledge. I've been preaching for 48 years, and I've been teaching the same thing. Jesus Christ said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So, Brother Phillips, is there anything in the name? Yes. When he comes back, he's coming back for his church. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talk about love. 
Romans 3. Turn the Bible to Romans chapter. I'm going to read that now. Oh, man. Romans chapter 3. Everybody turn the Bible to Romans chapter 3. The verse is number 4. Romans chapter 3 and the verse is number 4. So I got about six minutes here. Romans chapter 3 and the verse is number 4. And the Bible says, in other words, let me back up and read a little bit more. Okay. Romans, the Bible says, what advantage then have the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? In other words, what advantage? It says, much every way. In other words, every way. Why? Why do they have the advantage on everybody else? Because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Woo! That's why they had advantage. Because of the Bible, the Word of God, the Old Testament Scripture. All the way back to the Old Testament. They had advantage. Then it says, what shall, for what if so did they believe? Oh, they don't believe or not believe. What if they don't believe? It says, notice what it says in now. It says, faith without work. Then it says in verse 4, God forbid. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, my goodness. Let God be true and every man a liar. So I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you what the Bible says in, in 2 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 10, make your calling and election sure. Listen, listen. I really want everybody to be saved. Is there anything in the name? Brother Philip, is there anything? Why we put names? Names are so important. Listen. Would you put poison in a milk jug? Hello? Would you put poison in a milk jug? If you say this milk and somebody puts a poison in it, and sell it to you. Is that person right? This is what is happening to the body of Christ, the Lord's church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not be built against it. And I accept it in verse 4. The Bible says, praising God, and have it for, I accept it too, verse 47. Praising God, have faith in all the people in the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. It makes a difference what church you attend, what church you're a member of. Because everybody, we don't have the authority, we don't have the right to build our own church. The Roman Catholic Church started by Boniface III in 606. Uh, the Lutheran Church was started by in, in German in 1538. And on and on, and, and, the, and the Episcopalian and, and the Presbyterian and the Congregational Church and Baptist Methodist and the Seventh-day Adventists, all of them have their stuff with man. God said, listen, listen, listen. Jesus said, upon this rock, I build my, and when you come back, listen, he's coming back for his church. Now, brother, are you being mean spirit? No, 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 I'm not being mean spirit. I must tell you the truth. Let God be true and every man alive. I beg you, I'm pleading with you, Listen, read your Bible, study your Bible, take it serious, because you got one shot at this, to be saved. I'm your speaker, Brother Phillips, is there anything in the name? Yes. Those on earth, those under the earth, and those in heaven are going to give a kind with a name. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. 
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host steve cordell and his subject broken to be made whole and good evening everybody thank you again uh stevie for letting me uh be on the program this this evening and I'm doing this, I guess great minds think alike, because uh, I've got the same text that uh, Brian used a little while ago, but I'm coming at it from a little bit different angle. Uh, I was given this request by a member of the congregation where I preach about the concept of brokenness. And what is it? What does it mean, and how does it benefit a Christian? And um, 
it sounds a little bit psychobabble-ish when I first started thinking about it. And I got to looking at it, and I had a few books on the subject. I did some digging, and it, it can be good. The idea of being broken by God can be good. If it causes someone to repent of a, a pattern of sin or habitual sin, and such as in the, in the Corinthian letter. Now, if ever there was an imperfect church, it was the Corinthian church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we can see there's some pretty serious uh, sin going on of some kind of a sexual nature with a man and possibly a stepmother. We're not sure exactly. But whoever it was apparently did change their behavior because in 2 Corinthians, Paul has told them, okay, you've done enough. You need to restore that person. And there comes a point in time when we do need to be restored when a person has strayed. Now, when we are trusting Jesus, we have to understand that it is possible to stray to the point where we can lose our salvation. Some I know don't believe that, but I believe the Bible's pretty clear on that, and that may be another uh, subject for another time. But Washington Irving, the American author, once said that there is sacredness in tears. Uh, they, they are not the mark of weakness, but of power. They speak more elo- eloquently than 10,000 tongues. They are the message of overwhelming grief, of deep contrition, and of unspeakable love. And what I, the one name that kept popping up as I was studying this subject was David and his situation with God, and particularly his uh, sin with Bathsheba, how it was an example of a willful, blatant sin. And then uh, not only that, but he got involved in a cover-up. And you know, it's not always the sin or the crime that gets you into trouble. It's the cover-up that usually gets you into trouble or it makes the situation worse. Um, a modern example might be if uh, any of you are, were around back in the 70s and can think of a guy maybe named Nixon uh, who really got jammed up when he tried to cover up the whole Watergate affair. It was more than the original break-in is what uh, got him into trouble. He really wasn't involved with that, but he was involved with the cover-up, and that's what David did. And God, of course, is not happy. And he, we've got adultery, we've got murder, we've got lying, we've got all kinds of things going on here. And then Nathan gets sent to confront him. And there's a difference between the way David handled this and the way Saul handled it uh, back in First uh, Samuel. David ended up getting restored because he had a genuine repentant heart. Now, what he did was wrong. You know, he took another man's wife. That's wrong. Uh, and then he tried to cover it up by essentially sending her husband uh, off to battle with uh, what amounted to his own death warrant. He went up to the commander of the troops, not knowing what was uh, in the note that he had, and he was sent to the front, and then the troops withdrew, and then Uriah got killed in action. So God dealt with all of that, but David had his own heart he had to deal with, and we can see that in the 51st Psalm. And so what I want to look at first is what is this idea when God breaks us? What does it mean? Well, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. To some people, being broken just means I've got a really messed up life, that I've got a lot of things in it that I need to clean up. Uh, someone might think, well, I've just got a lot of imperfections. This might be someone uh, who's dealing with a lot of bad decisions that they've made uh, over the years. Or someone who's just heartbroken over a past relationship. Or it could mean emotional scarring from wounds of the past. Now, these are all different things, as I said. This is a term that's going to mean different things to different people. But let's look. If you have your Bible, open it up to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse 9. This is where David has confronted him. Or, I mean, uh, uh, Nathan has confronted David. 
and it's out now. He, he know David knows that he's been caught, and uh, he's asked this question: Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in His sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, in God's eyes, David was crushed. And that's what brokenness in the sight of God is. You have no place to turn but to God. His life uh, is and brokenness here is a perfect example of this. Now, keep in mind, he's still the king. Uh, he still politically has his power, but emotionally, spiritually, he's down. Um, and I could just see it. And what I picture in my eyes is, is panic arising in David's eyes when Nathan reveals to him the uh, the uh, answer to the parable that he's told about the man and the sheep. The man, uh, David, rather res- uh, uh, respected and is looked to as an amp- as an example. Remember, we tell, teach our kids in Sunday school about David. We talk about him being a mighty man of war. He's the apple of God's eye. He is a man after God's own heart, but he's a sinner. He did some pretty bad stuff. Now, I've never killed anybody. I've never taken another man's life. I've never done any of that. But it doesn't mean that I'm a goody-two-shoe. It doesn't mean that I've uh, 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 been good all my life. Uh, I've got things in, in my life that I'm not too proud of and sins in my life. But here's, here's what I'm getting at. There's still hope for me, and there's still hope for you. I don't know uh, everybody's background who's tuning in to watch this. But if look at what David did. And he is still the apple of God's eye and a man after God's own heart. There's still hope if you've got that heart of David, that repentant, humble heart that he had. He is a larger-than-life figure. We respect what he did. He got Israel to the greatest heights. But yet, in the end, he was uh, a sinner just like us. But now let's flip that around a bit. Let's look at the loving kindness that God showed. God showed him in the 51st Psalm. Loving kindness there. Now, here's what we have to notice. If you're in the 51st Psalm, look at the 14th verse, where David says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth, and uh, my mouth shall show forth of your praises. I want to point out a couple of things here. David is seeing the right, the uh, forgiveness that God has. And notice he's still taking in God's righteousness. He is not discounting the righteousness of God uh, here. God is both righteous and he is a loving, kind God. Now, this is the way I illustrate this is these coins that we carry around in our pockets have two sides. There's a head side and there's a tail side to those coins. God's got two sides, just like those coins. He has a loving, kindness, merciful side, but he's also got a righteousness side. And a judgment side uh, to him. And David is is uh, seeing that, both sides of that coin, speaking of God's loving kindness and his righteousness at the same time. And it is possible to be both. He's no doubt feeling guilt over killing Uriah at this point. And this is going to bring him to repentance, that guilt that he's got. Now, the way I've pictured this is he and David – I'm sitting at a desk, and I picture he and David kind of sitting at a table like this, kind of like I am, and they're having a a conversation. And and Nathan says, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you a story, a parable about a very wealthy man, had everything he wanted, and I'm paraphrasing and shortening it here. 
And when he had a traveler come and he needed a lamb to prepare, he went to a poor man and took his only lamb, his only sheep. And David was indignant when he heard this. And David said, who is this that would do this, who had no mercy? He shall surely die. And this is where if it was scripted, I would in the script it would probably say something like, Nathan, pause for effect. And he slowly leans forward and points his finger at David and says, you are the man. You are the man who did this. And David just kind of sinks back in his chair and realizes the game's over, that he cannot hide this anymore. He knew now that his sin was uncovered. It was out in the open. What's he going to do? Oh, well, uh, no, I, that, that really wasn't me. I didn't do that. Mm. It's not going to fly. You know, we, we have people today that do that. I, I have, uh, when I was a paraprofessional in the schools, I caught kids in the act of doing things, breaking rules, and they would deny doing it, and, and even if we showed them the video from the surveillance cameras in the classroom. But David knows that he's caught. But then notice here, he says, Nathan says to him, but wait a minute, the Lord has taken away your sin. What does that mean? That means that God has sent Nathan to restore David. That's the ultimate goal here. It's not to condemn. It's to restore. And that's why Nathan was sent to David. However, there's still going to be consequences. Forgiveness does not mean that, 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 uh, there, that uh, you don't have the consequences anymore. Forgiveness is not going to be held against him. But Nathan is going to tell him of the consequences. Now, remember, first, years after this, the Apostle John is going to tell us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I know that's a decision we have to make. We have to turn ourselves around and make that repentance. Spiritually, David's a wreck. He, his sin has so disturbed him in his walk with God I, I just picture him sitting there slouching down in a chair. He just He's looking for a hole to jump in. He's trying to figure out how he's going to get out of this mess. But because he's, he's got a son, but that son's going to die. And that's going to be the part of the consequences here. Nathan, though, is there to make sure he gets called back uh, to God. When, when a believer sins against God, we should confess that. And repent. Repent means to turn. It's not just saying I'm sorry. We've kind of watered that down, but it means to turn. We turn away. We turn back going towards God, which then we bring the sacrifice of this broken spirit. Now, David states that God wants the sacrifice of a broken spirit. Look at uh, if you're the 51st Psalm, look at verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. So the, the very unpleasant circumstances we get into sometimes will bring about that broken spirit. Sometimes, maybe not. But a broken spirit has more to do with our spiritual relationship with, to our creator. It has more to do with, uh, uh, with our relationship with God than anything else. God wants that humility. It, it's not something that, that uh, is to be manipulated on any part. Uh, you know, He's not trying to manipulate. Humans try to manipulate and do that sort of thing. God doesn't do any of that. And then we have to remember that we that we not to try to make God into something that he is not. He is the same today, the same yesterday, the same forever. God is holy, and he has not compromised one bit of his holiness to save man. And this is where we have to remember 
You know, we, we try to create a God in our own image. That's what a lot of denominations have done where they've changed doctrines and teachings on defining marriage and that sort of thing. They're looking for a God and a doctrine that is in their image. That's the wrong way to go. The correct way is to look, what does the Bible say? And if what I am living or doing is not lined up with it, then I need to change. We don't change the Bible. We don't have the copyright on it. Brokenness is the means through which God is going to have his deepest work on our hearts. Out of that broken vessel, God knows he can fill us with what he desires. He's the one that can bring the peace. He's the one that can uh, uh, bring the humility uh, to us. And it's that humility that's ultimately going to bind us back and get us back online where we need to be. And then bring a sacrifice of a contrite heart. Here's a little-known phrase. We don't use that phrase very much, contrite. Uh, It's not used so much. It used to be used, I think, a lot more in in our parents' and grandparents' days, but it indicates an expression of godly sorrow for our past sins. And and, and we're resolving to avoid future sins. A godly sorrow where it it has gotten to me that what I did was, was wrong in God's sight, uh, and the offense is there, much like we might have with a parent, a child has with a parent. And then prayer is how we're going to communicate that with God. When we pray to God and say you know, how brokenhearted we are and repent, we ask God to forgive us and ask God to help us. That's for the Christian. Now, we don't pray to, to become a Christian. I know the sinner's prayer gets uh, tossed around a lot. It's not in the Bible, long story made short. And, again, maybe we'll do another uh, lesson on that. But for now, what we need to understand is the more we become aware of our shortcomings and our flaws, the more our hearts can be open to that empathy and that sorrow. When I see the flaws that I have in me, it doesn't stop me from preaching the gospel and trying to help other people to do better, but it should also give me empathy that, hey, I've had to struggle with this or that, and, and, and I had to deal with it. So when I come to you and see you're doing the same thing, that should give me some level of, of uh, empathy uh, in that area. And the more we see our own pride and greed and self-servingness and our own defensiveness, uh, the more we're going to live in a prayerful, broken state of broken heart. When I see just how, uh, you know, how much pride and, and self-serving that sort of thing I have. The text from Psalm 51 is part of a larger prayer of repentance we can see by David. He knows he's blown it. This isn't just some little minor uh, uh, slip-up that he made. He blew it, and, and this was a decision. You know, sin is not just a mistake. Uh, a mistake is if I give you directions to my house and I say, uh, go to the fourth light and turn, turn left. But you miscount and you go to the fifth light and turn left. Or if you're like me and you've got really sloppy handwriting, you can't tell them, am I supposed to turn left or turn right? I'm not sure. I'm going to turn right. And it's the wrong ground. Okay, that's a mistake. But when David was up on the roof of his palace and he looked down and he saw Bathsheba there and he thought, hmm, hey, uh, who is that? Oh, that's uh, Bathsheba. She's the wife of Uriah. They say, yeah, well, um, go, go, go bring her here. Go call her to me. That was deliberate. That was a decision. And that's what sin is. It is a decision that, uh, that we've made. And David's sacrifice is going to be that broken and contrite heart. The whole heart. That is the heart where I say, hmm, no, I'm not seeing it. I, I, I didn't do anything or Hey, Nathan, don't you see what my neighbor over here did? Yeah, well, Nathan, what about the time that you – see, those are normal reactions that we have, and that's pride. That's egotism. A repentant sinner, though, is going to realize it and is going to drop the pretense of an ego. He's going to let it all go and say, well, okay, what do I need to do to make this right? 
what do I need to do to make myself right with the Lord, right with people? Because we sometimes sin against people too. Uh, look at that in a, in a future installment on this uh, series. But a broken and a contrite heart is going to indicate that, our, uh, that we are grieved by our sin. We're going to be humbled under the sense of God's displeasures. Now, whether you want to believe it or not, one day we are all going to face God. And it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's going to happen. And this is where we need to make sure we have the right heart, the right frame of mind. David was nearly a thousand years you know, before Jesus. Jesus then came uh, as a descendant uh, from David. Jesus uh, walked the earth and brought the good news that God does not despise us when we are in those situations where we've got a broken heart, where where we are, are, are feel ourselves slipping away. You see, he welcomes us in that state. When we can come to God in that broken and contrite state, that's when he can use us the most. And that grace begins to free us. So if you're watching this video on Facebook or on YouTube or listening in, let me just encourage you to give it some serious thought about where you are with the Lord. And, and if there's any question, if the Lord were to come back right now as I'm signing off, if he, if he were to come back and say, hey, time's over and I'm taking my people home, are you going to go home with them? If the answer is no or I don't know, then send me a Facebook message. Contact, Steve, contact somebody here on the broadcast. Let us help you. Let us help you make sure that you can answer that question in the affirmative, that, yes, I know I can go home and be with the Lord. Thank you for having me, uh, Stevie. Hope everybody has a good evening and a good weekend. We'll see you next time. I'm done. I'm out. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Elijah Rock. Elijah Rock. Shout, shout. Elijah Rock. Elijah Rock. Come and up, Lord. Elijah Rock. Shout, shout, Elijah Rock, come and up, Lord. Elijah Rock, shout, shout, Elijah Rock, come and up, Lord. Elijah Rock, shout, shout, Elijah Rock, come and up, Lord. Elijah Rock, shout, shout, Elijah Rock, come and up, Elijah Rock, shout, shout, Elijah Rock, come and up, Lord. Elijah Rock, shout, shout. If I could, surely I would. I stand on a rock with my own Shout about
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in to our radio broadcast. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media, Facebook Live. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my co-host Steve Cordo and Brian Christian Coleman and Clay Phillips for their efforts on the broadcast tonight. What a show, what a show. The gospel has been preached. The saints have been edified, and the good Lord has been glorified. Amen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it, we are just so thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast, and it is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives, and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuned in to this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. And if you miss me from singing, singing. and you can't find me nowhere, nowhere. come on up to Glory. Glory. I'll be singing the fair. Yes, I will. And I know the Lord. He will greet me over yonder. Over on the other shore. Way over yonder. Over on the other shore. You miss me from To glory. glory, I'll be praising the best. Heard a minister say to see other days
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 253. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. There are two things appointed to a man. To live and to die. When your soul departs from this earth, will you be ready? When my chance comes again. Not too long ago, I found the Lord. After a while, you know, changed my heart. See, I've been through a while, and I like go. I've been in the storm, floods and the rain. I've been buked and scorned, so much pain. I'm because what he told me, Jesus said, this is coming back, I'll be ready. I'm a ready. He can't come and get me. I'm a ready. If Jesus were to come back,
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.